Hello everyone and welcome to episode 158 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Today we have two segments for you. Uh, kicking the show off, myself and Zach get together to talk about the best music from fighting games. And after that, Alex and Addison answer your listener mail and talk about a couple games that they've been playing recently. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson. Today, I am with Zach Miller. Are you again? Oh, very fitting. And uh, we are here to talk about our favorite and your favorite music from fighting games. Um, our partner in crime, Mike Squens, could not make it tonight. I think he had, uh, I guess, a little bit of maybe a family issue this week. Um, but we're wishing him all the best, and he'll mm. be back soon to talk about music with us again. Um, so... I tweeted this, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but I didn't really know what to expect from this segment. Um, I'm not like... I mean, I, I enjoy fighting games, but I, I'm pretty bad at fighting games. Same. Um, and, like, when Zach threw this out there, nothing came to mind. Like, every other topic we've done, instantly I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I know what song I want to pick. But, yeah. like, my mind was just blank. Um, but after getting, like, people's suggestions and then kind of thinking back on my favorite fighting games, I realized, like, fighting, fighting games, for the most part, have really good music. They do. Um, and I don't know why I, I didn't realize that or had kind of forgotten it. I, I don't know if I'm... It's because when you're playing a fighting game, at least when I'm playing a fighting game, maybe you too, you're not focused on the music at all. You're just trying to learn how to play it and right. survive. And that's true. And, like, more than any other, like, type of game, really, that at least that we've talked about so far, you, there's no real, like, moment to, like, stop and appreciate anything that's going on, like, auxiliary, you know, like, in the background. Yes. I mean, you're, like, from, like go you have to be competing and active and paying attention or you'll just i mean get destroyed yep um so i think i do think there's something to that and that's too bad because there is a lot of great fighting game music as we're going to find out here today yeah. um yeah. so we're going to start with our own personal suggestions and then we'll do a handful of listener suggestions um for mine one one game or fighting game series, I guess, at this point, that really stands out to me is Marvel vs. Capcom. Yes. Um, like, ever since I was a kid, like, I've just been, like, in love with this series. It looked amazing. The, the first one was so, like, mind-blowing. Like, just how great, like, the art art design was um, and all, like, the sprite work and stuff. Um, I think the first one, yeah, it was on PlayStation. Yep. Um, Incredible it was, like, those... sprite work. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, it was so fast-moving and just, like, chaotic. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, there were a few tracks from this game that I listened to today that I, I wanted to include, but I went ahead and went with one that is a little bit reminiscent of um, some past games that we've talked about before, hmm. uh, and that is Mega Man's theme from Marvel vs. Capcom. Yes. Um, let's go ahead and give it a spin, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Cool.
yeah, I just love that. I think it like right right off the start. Is that I think that's is that the Wiley theme or what is? That? No, that's the uh, the what intro is... of I think Mega Man Two. Yeah, You're it's, right. it's Mega Man Two. It's it's the uh, uh, the camera going up the building and then that's right. Yeah, you're right. It's like the main theme. Yeah, and I just love what they did with here. I love that they they capture that, but then they kind of build uh, upon it in like the bridge and stuff. But then it comes back to that like refrain. Yeah, um, it's so good. And I yeah, I mean I think of like and this will come up again later uh, and in a future episode, but. You know, like Smash Brothers, we've talked about how great the, the remixes are of the classic music. And I'd kind of, like, forgotten that, you know, something like this, like Marvel vs. Capcom, had had been doing that, what, like, ten years, years ago prior? Yeah, I mean, uh, doing that and kind of remixing this classic music that you know and you love. So I, I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed this one. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Mega Man music is great anyway, but I always like remixes. But it's interesting you bring up Smash Brothers. I don't really like the Mega Man remix in Smash Brothers. Really? I f- much prefer the medley of the 8-bit tracks. I, I don't right. think they did uh, did this theme. I mean, it's no, it's not the Mega Man theme. It's the Dr. Wily Sage theme. Right, right. But it's not the same to me. I just don't like it as much. Which is too bad, because as we talked about on the Mega Man episode, the Dr. Wily theme is like the ultimate Mega the Man track, music. track, yeah. Yeah, like that's it. You can't mess that up. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. I can't recall it on the top of my head. I mean, I know I've heard it. I've played Smash Brothers 3DS, but I can't think of it. Yeah, it's a little too, it's, it's a little more metal than I'm used to. Huh. Which is now, odd I, to say, because it's kind of a metal track. Yeah. So you would think it would be fitting. Yeah. I wonder, like, if it might appeal to you more once you hear it on the Wii U version? Maybe. That's very possible. Because do you uh, play with headphones, or you just play through the, the speakers normally? I don't like often play with headphones. That's a very good point. And and the 3DS XL has shitty speakers. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing all the music, like, beautifully through, like, my, my sound system at mm. home. Mm. Um, so, yeah, let's reserve judgment, Zach, until we, yeah, let's, let's see <laughs> how you feel about it in a week. Um, all right, well, yeah, so what, what was your pick, Zach, for this episode? Uh, my pick, uh, when I was thinking about uh, fighting games, I I was telling you this before the show, but I'm a kind of a fighting game addict. I buy a lot of fighting games, and I'm terrible at all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only two I've ever been good at are Primal Rage, wonder why, <laughs> and Soul Calibur 2, and I guess Soul Calibur 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, really love Soul Calibur. I sank so many hours into two uh, back on the GameCube. And the only reason I haven't bought two on my PlayStation 3, even though it's HDified, is it doesn't have Link. Right. You need Link. Yep. I don't give a shit about that Tekken guy. (laughs) Or what, was Spawn in... Spawn uh... was on Xbox, yeah. Yeah. Spawn would be cool. Yeah, but no, Uh, the Tekken guy, yeah, no thanks. No, not at all. Uh, But... I was I was remembering like I, I remember this music has some really this game has some really good music so I was going through the soundtrack and I came to this one and I was like instantly within five seconds I was like oh my gosh this track <laughs> <laughs> so I picked this one I love it it's it's uh, just a random fight track yeah it's called confrontation mm-hmm. all right well let's go ahead and give it a listen indeed.
just so energetic. There's so many instruments converging and doing stuff. It is really good. And, you know, I almost wonder, like, that to me seems so fitting for for Link because it has this sort of, like, heroic undertone almost, like with the horns and everything. It totally does. Yeah. Um, do you know, I mean, you, you would know, did that have like a, like a remix of any like Zelda music or just straight Zelda music I don't Zelda remember it having any, any Zelda music in it. Huh. I'm surprised. Uh, I, I could be wrong cause it's been God knows Forever. how long since I played yeah. that game. Uh, yeah. but, um, man, but you're right. That track is, is kind of a link theme. Yeah. Like that's totally the, the vibe I got right away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was really good. And Soul Calibur 2 was very much a, a revelation for me, just like you. Um, I I was like, oh, Link is in this. I guess I'll play this now. Exactly. <laughs> like, I had no, I hadn't played the original Soul, Soul Calibur, and I had no real interest in the series. Um, and then, like, Link's in, and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I need to be playing this. Yeah, I have um, uh, the original Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast, and you would be surprised how similar it is. Really? Like, you'd think it would be like, oh, this is their very first Soul Calibur game. It's going to be kind of shitty. No, it's really close to Soul Calibur 2. Oh, wow. Um, I guess the first Soul game was Soul Edge, uh, which right. I never played. I think it was might have been on PlayStation, uh, but I, ne- I never played it. Was it PlayStation or maybe even could have been Saturn? I oh, don't it remember. it could have been Saturn. Yeah, you might but, yeah. be right. But, yeah, yeah I, uh, I got into the series Hardcore with 2. I really got into three and four, and then I hated five. I don't think which one was the one that had um, Darth Vader and Yoda. Was that three or four? That was four. That was four. Okay, they didn't do anything like that for five, though, right? It all just stayed the the same, or did they have five was like again? virtually new characters entirely? Okay, hugely disappointing. Really? Oh yeah, it's like it takes place twenty or thirty years after the the main storyline and first off you're like there are no storylines in fighting games <laughs> right. this is retarded so <laughs> but you don't get to see any of your favorite characters like maxi or ivy or taki or you know Safidia's dead i'm like oh, this, this game bullshit <laughs> that reminds me of like what they tried to do with the mortal Kombat games as they kept coming out it was <laughs> like, oh true. characters characters died in the games before and like there's new characters and there's, like, a new Sub-Zero who's not the same Sub-Zero, I guess, and he doesn't wear, like, his normal clothes anymore. Right. And he's a scar on his face or something. I yeah. don't know. And this newest Mortal Kombat, I think it... Doesn't it take place way in the future with an, a whole new cast? The, like, one that hasn't come out yet? Yeah. Um, like, Johnny Cage's daughter is in it. Is that really? No, yeah. see, I haven't kept up with, like, previews and stuff for the new one. Um, but that's... See, I feel like they're almost getting the same thing now, where they're like repeating the mistakes. What was so great, and see, I'm like you, like I, I'm not, I'm not good at fighting games, but for some reason, I'm really like drawn to them. Yeah. Um, like I really enjoy Marvel vs. Capcom, and I enjoy the Mortal Kombat games, and the Mortal Kombat reboot from, God, I don't know, so good, four years ago now, or maybe longer, like three or four years ago. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really good, and I thought what what made it succeed, uh, succeed is they just like went back to the drawing board. Like yep. got rid of all the, the lore and just started fresh. Yep. Um, and it it really worked. And now that you're telling me that, like, it kind of worries me that it's going to go off the rails again very quickly. Yeah, like, you should you should watch some of the videos because you'll – I think Kano is maybe the only character who's still around that I've seen. Well, and, and then, like, like, Sub-Zero totally and Scorpion. He's, totally a cyborg. Yeah, Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero yeah. Yeah, naturally, but um, – well, I think Raiden's in it, too. But I know, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. the only, like – 
sort of like second. Well, I don't know if you'd even call Kano like a second tier character. Oh, I mean, he's I guess a second he was in the, tier character. I guess he was in the original. He was the first it? one, yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. Like you got to have uh, Sub Zero and Scorpion. Like they're yeah. the most iconic. But after that, I guess anyone's fair game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't we'll know. see if it's good. Yeah. They keep delaying it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, which is not usually a good sign. Um, so first up for listener suggestions, uh, this one came from friend of the show, Donald Mick, Donald Terrio, Donald, like 18 different names, depending where you talk to him. Yeah. Um, and his original suggestion, which we'll get to later, um, was from Street Fighter 2, um, but that had already been picked. So he submitted, <laughs> uh, the Sakura stage theme from Street Fighter 2 Alpha for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Bam. so unusually 8-bit compared yeah, to super- all the other tunes in this list. <laughs> yeah, and it, which is surprising for being Super Nintendo, not even being like the first Street Fighter 2. Yeah, like the third um, or fourth. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, now, you said you weren't as huge a fan of this one. Why was that? No, it's just kind of kind of boring. Yeah. it's There's not a lot of, you know, fighting game music, good fighting game music for me is, I guess, uh, like yours and and mine and and man, one of the ones later on, it's like <laughs> this inspiring, bombastic music that gets your blood pumping while you're kicking a dude's ass, or at least trying and failing <laughs> miserably. But at least you're kind of enjoying it while it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this no, music I... just kind of falls on its face. Yeah, much like the character. Oh, boom. <laughs> No, I agree with you. Like, I I enjoy this track, but I can't, I can't like envision like fighting to it. I guess right. Um, this 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 is like a cinematic between yeah, two characters talking. Kinda, yeah. Like, I I get like visions of like the beach at like sunset and like <laughs> just like very like tranquil in a way. Right. Um, which yeah isn't I imagine what you're doing in Street Fighter Two Alpha. Um. But I, I, it's been a while since I played it, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> and honestly, maybe I'm I'm silly, but I have very little love for the Street Fighter series. Uh, I've never been good at 2D fighters. And when Street Fighter 4 came out, do you remember every magazine, every website was saying, oh my gosh, they, they made it so that newbies can actually get into fighting games again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is completely false. Street Fighter <laughs> 4 is as technical as they come. Yep. And, and like what you're talking about, I bought it. I'm not I big, bought like, it I... twice, baby. <laughs> no, sorry, three times, because I have it on 3DS too. Oh, you want the 3DS version? Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I, same thing. Like, I was like, 
thought I'd get into it. I had the first day I got it, I had a lot of fun because I brought it over to a friend's house and like four of us just passed the controllers around and played all night and had no idea what any moves were or what we were yeah, doing. Yeah, that's probably the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yeah, once you play with anyone who's like a step above you in skill, then it's just it's not any fun anymore. No, then you really have to like study and and learn the the intricacies, which I know is like what makes fighting kind games. of the point of it. Yeah, yeah, but... which makes these games rewarding for people. Like I get that, but <laughs> I don't have I just, the time. I can't, <laughs> I can't invest in that. Yeah. That's why I like Soul Calibur, because it's, you know, with the 3D movement and, and kind of the dodge rolls and stuff, you have a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Uh, you can you can button mash your way to victory a little more often. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know what games I actually kind of got into for a little bit, uh, embarrassingly enough, uh, were the Dragon Ball Z, like, Budokai games? Oh, dude, I oh, I think I reviewed one of those. Did you really, like? Because I know one came out oh. for Wii, like right when the Wii was released. Did you did you review no, this that was, one? No, this was either a DS or a 3DS. Uh, oh, okay. Fighter, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those are those are actually not bad. I thought they did a pretty good job of like capturing the the spirit of the show and like jumping from like fighting on the ground to fighting in the air to like just the like insaneness of those those fight scenes in the in yeah. the show. I, I enjoyed that series. Yeah. For whatever it's worth. Um. So our next listener entry, uh, and actually I thought you were going to pick a song from this series. Um, oh, I, just, yeah. I, I thought like you'd have an ace up your sleeve and it was going to be something obscure from this. Um, it comes from Jeremy Holly <laughs> and it is, uh, from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters games. Yeah. Uh, which came out for the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and the NES, believe it yeah. or not. Um, I had this, it on the NES. Did you really? I heard that I version did. is very bad. It's awful. <laughs> but I played the hell out of it. <laughs> um, I actually have this for Sega Genesis still. Um, so you got you got to fight with war. Yeah, they had different characters in the Genesis and uh, each Super version. Nintendo version. Each right. version had an exclusive character. That's crazy. Uh, so Genesis they, they... had war. Super Nintendo had Armadon, the shark dude, and uh, the Nintendo version had. Or the NES version had a dragon named Hothead. <laughs> um, so I guess they beat Soul Calibur to the punch with the like did, the exclusive yeah. uh, characters. Nice. Um, well, yeah. So this is uh, No Stage. I guess is probably how you would pronounce that. That's the only no, way I can imagine. No, yeah. Um, what it, do you know? Is No a character? No, uh, is not a character. Fighting char- a character in the game certainly. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't. I have no idea. I, no I actually stage. don't know the lore of Tournament Fighter. I just assumed it was always like a dimensional rift thing. Yeah, yeah, and it pulls everyone in. I'm I'm almost positive that's the case. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, let's listen to this track. Okay. Fighters is a really good game. Uh, it's it's when it came out, even even back when it came out, I thought this is weird, mm-hmm. like a Ninja Turtle fighting game. It makes sense because they're all brawlers, 
but uh, surprisingly good, the NES game was at least, in the little of the Super Nintendo version I played, uh, very competent, mm-hmm. but um, weird. Like, so much of the Ninja Turtle, if you haven't been following Ninja Turtles like I have for, you know, 30 years, a lot of the characters are super weird and obscure. Yeah. Like, Wingnuts in... Isn't Wingnut in the Super Nintendo and Genesis game? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The bad guy? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Like, who the heck is Wingnut? <laughs> and uh, and there's a, a character named, uh, I think, Asuka. It's a, yes. a female ninja, and she is supposed to be Karai, who is Shredder's daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, but I don't know if it was a mistranslation or what, but... Um, and I, isn't April O'Neil a fighter? I was just going to tell you, yeah, oh, yeah, you can fight as April. Sense at all. I know. God. Yeah, it's a really weird uh, game. Now, you said it was, like, a very good. I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I don't remember, like... It was competent. Let's, competent, yeah. yeah, that's probably the way to go. Um, but Definitely yeah, it was very, riding the Street Fighter wave. Yeah, and it was kind of bizarre for me at the time because it feels so much more inspired by, like, the comics than, obviously, any of the, like, representation from the cartoon show. Oh, definitely. Because um, it's, like, much more serious. Um, and almost all the characters are from the Archie Adventure series, which right. is also bizarre, because I don't yeah. know if that series got over into Japan. Right, yeah. But it's a very weird, like, strange game. Um, but it is worth, I, I think, checking out if you have the means to. Yeah. Um, now, the music that Jeremy picked, I don't know that I'm a huge fan no. of this music track. <laughs> it's almost like it tried to do, like, what we've described, like, be kind of, like, upbeat and bombastic and, like, very uh, active. But, but it's so I, staccato. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it pulls it off. <laughs> it sounds like they sped it up a little too much. Maybe if yeah. it slow down, I think it might be better. Yeah, there's just a lot going on there. Um, so let's move on to a track that does work. Mm. Um this comes from Daniel Lloyd, and uh, it's from Killer Instinct, and it is The Instinct, which I think is maybe the main theme of uh, I think so, Killer yeah. Instinct, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, if you don't know, I think we brought this up before. Um, I'm pretty sure Donkey Kong 64, or I'm not Donkey Kong 64, Donkey Kong Country was the first uh, Super Nintendo game to like receive a, a soundtrack release. Yes, um, I think that's right. But shortly after came Killer Instinct. Uh, came Killer, with the game! Yeah, Killer Cuts was the name of the album. Um and it was it's total it was totally the right move because a lot of the music in Killer Instinct is like amazing. Yeah. Um so let's go ahead and give a listen to The Instinct. All right.
And what's, you know, it's amazing to me is that that's on a Super Nintendo sound chip. Yeah, right? It's actually I assume, really impressive. I assume that's not like the instrumental version. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. Yeah, that that's that's from the game. Um and no, it's it's really impressive um and really great. Like you said when we were listening to it, the the whole like electric guitar uh is just yeah. so great. It's just like how it like chugs along. Um yeah. And then that beat drops. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Um I would encourage anyone to like go there's like probably a million playlists on YouTube with the whole soundtrack. Go and like just spend the day listening to it. I would like go to the go to the gym and listen to that soundtrack. Yes. And like you'll be ripped within a week, I feel like. Um uh, Yeah. That that's a good one. That was a really good choice. Yeah. Um Really so, good game. Yo oh, yeah. Great game. I remember I got a like terrible, terrible, terrible blister on my thumb. Um because <laughs> I rented it and like over the weekend I played it nonstop. And, like, by Monday, I had, like, the hugest, grossest blister on my thumb from, like, the D-pad. Yeah. Um, it was really bad. Uh, there was also one time that I, the first time I think I tried to rent the game, or maybe it was later, you know, no, it was probably the second time I tried to rent it. Uh, this was, like, probably a few weeks apart now, and this wasn't, like, Blockbuster, this was a little, like, mom-and-pop, uh, video store. I went to rent it, and I took it home, and I plugged it into my Super Nintendo, and lo and behold, uh, someone had taken the sticker off of a uh super mario kart basically oh. like like some not super mario kart i shouldn't even say it, the super mario world cartridge basically someone rented the game and then took this like swapped the stickers put the killer instinct sticker on super mario what? world and then returned that so they could keep killer instinct oh my god yeah so i rented it and then like it turns on and you know like the nintendo logo pops up and like that little like coin sound ding. that yeah it's like the ding and i'm like that's kind of like cutesy for killer instinct i don't remember <laughs> that and then yeah bop, 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 and i'm like what the hell <laughs> oh my gosh so i returned and got my money back but i don't yeah. think they ever bought another copy so i never got to rent it again oh, I, eventually, man. I eventually got it for like christmas or something you know uh, i just i just wish that rare still had a relationship with nintendo so this game could come out on virtual console yeah, or like a new one, maybe. Or well, a no, new I one. guess there isn't. Well, they did on make Xbox the new ones, one, but uh, in fact, you know, uh, here's the fighting game guy and me talking again. That's the only reason I'd buy an Xbox One. Wow. For Killer Instinct. Didn't they make it weird though? Didn't they? Like, they released like character packs. Like you have to like. Buy yeah, each they did like a season pass. It, it, yeah. It, they they released it poorly. Yeah. But I just love the idea of a new Killer Instinct. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, me yeah. too. And, I, I, and Killer Instinct Gold was great, uh, and the arcade games were both great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, the arcade games—we had one arcade up here in Anchorage called the Space Station, and that's where I discovered Primal Rage, mm. and that's where I discovered Killer Instinct. And there was always a line at both uh, machines. Yeah, so great! Oh my gosh. <laughs> And what blew my mind at the time, this is going to sound so weird now, um, is that when you when you knocked a guy out, the round didn't end. He just got back up and his meter refilled, and you right. won a, you know you won the fight. And I was like, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like you have to survive three rounds. Yep. With yeah, one I know life bar, really or whatever. It's like holy crap. Yeah. Uh, side story: uh, the local arcade up here did birthday parties where. After they closed, you get to host your birthday party and then have, like, an hour of the arcade to yourself with with it closed, so it's just you and your friends. Oh, baby. And that was the most amazing birthday party I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, 10. It was incredible. 
Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Did they just give you a bucket of quarters? Uh, yeah, yeah, and then you could obviously get more. I mean, if your parents wanted to throw money, but yeah, so yep. many like so many quarters or tokens, whatever, were included with the uh, like with the um, package. Package, yeah. yeah. And, but then you could always just get more because our parents were oh, there. I was like ten, so I mean, all gosh. our parents were there. Yeah, it was like the greatest birthday party ever. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that was good. Um, so moving on then to our second to final uh, submission. This comes from Kerbals. Uh, this is the one that he suggested and then Donald shortly suggested after. It is Guile's theme from Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most like well-known, I think, track from, oh, no. from Street Fighter 2. But let's go ahead and give it a listen. Mm-hmm. American. I just <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, we were the video we were watching as we were listening to that had just yeah, just pictures of Guile with his like huge bicep and like American flag tattoo and all that <laughs> good stuff. Um, yeah, that one's really good. Um, I feel like it's a little less like upbeat. Like it's not as like quick moving, but it, it hits all those like tones of like I don't know, like inspiring like heroism kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's still like uplifting and I think kind of empowers you and. Makes you feel oh, like yeah. you can kick ass. Is Guile one of the good guys in Street Fighter lore? Uh, Are there I, good guys? Yeah, I think there's good guys. Pretty sure. Okay. Um, I, I have no idea. Besides Ken and Ryu, I just assume everyone's either a bad guy or something. <laughs> everyone's a bad guy? Everyone's well, a bad guy. Chun Li, I guess Chun Li's with well, the yeah, CIA like, like or Chun-Li, something. Yeah, Chun Li's good. I think Guile's supposed to be good. I mean,. Okay. I don't know. I guess it is a Japanese game, so I guess I shouldn't take for granted that the American guy would be a good guy. But like in my <laughs> mind, like the American guy would always be a good guy. But true, I guess that I guess that isn't necessarily true. Was um, was Van Dam Guile? Yes. Nice. And he was yeah he was obviously the like the good guy of that movie. So yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean I don't know how faithful that movie <laughs> yeah, was. Good, Street Fighter. Good question more. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So all you Street Fighter like enthusiasts, let us know who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Should we watch it? Please tell us. <laughs> Have you never seen the movie? I've never seen it. Oh my god! Is this a movie I need to watch? Yeah, don't watch it yet. Let's like wait till like when we're all hanging out at PAX. Like let's watch it. One oh night. my gosh! Yes. Yeah. We'll, like, that's a good or idea. Bring the DVD or just download it or something. Yeah, that's gonna happen for sure. Wow. Um. All right. So then our final submission. Uh, came from Dane Nieder, and it is the bicycle training theme from Punch-Out! for the NES. Um, I was having a debate with Zach of whether or not this counts as a fighting game. And, Zach, you, you believe that Punch-Out! is, like, the original fighting game. Oh, yeah, I think it's the granddaddy of the genre. Because, yeah. like you say, fighting games are all about 
ultimately all about pattern recognition, mm-hmm. especially today yeah. when you're counting frames and stuff like that. Uh, and that's what Punch Out is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like Punch Out to me is always like, I don't even consider it a fighting game. To me, it's like purely just a puzzle game because you're not really, you know, like a fighting game, even though you're having to react and knowing how to like counter attacks, you still have a lot of, uh, there's like, it's like open ended as far as like how you can maybe attack your opponent. Sure. You punch out, not really. I mean, it's just like dodge, 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 and then know the right moment to punch. Right. Um, and there's not really much else besides that. Um, but I'm I'm willing to consider it a fighting game. That that's, yeah. that's totally fine. So let's listen to the bicycle training theme. Okay. Now, that is a good remix in Smash Brothers. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And like you were saying, I mean, it's totally epic. I mean, that's such a, a good, like, yeah, an inspiring uh, yeah. song there. Um, yeah. You know, I've never played the uh, the Wii Punch-Out. I what? keep meaning to. But I know I keep meaning what? to, but I just never got around to it. The Punch-Out that received a 10 out of 10 from our own uh, Neil Ron- Ronahan? The same score was given to Kirby's Epic Yarn by Neil Ronahan, so I don't trust that guy's tens. His, his opinion is Love you, Neil, annoyed. but come on now. Kirby's no, the, Epic Yarn. The Wii Punch-Out is, is fantastic. I know. I really want to get it. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just every time I'm at Walmart or Target, I look at the Wii games that I, that I want but don't have, and there are three of them. There's Mario Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kirby Dream Collection, just just Ooh, to have yeah. it, because I have the Mario one. Yeah. And Punch-Out, and they're never, ever, they're Nintendo games, man. They never go on sale. Well, I'll tell you what, like, your Target still has them for sale? Is that what you're saying? Like, you're... Uh, actually, my Target no longer has Mario Galaxy 2. They might have Punch-Out, but I haven't looked for a little while. Well, Galaxy 2 I wouldn't be too worried about, because that was popular enough that, like, you'll for sure be able to find it. But that I'm Kirby sure, yeah. Collection... And punch out like I would jump on those soon if you see them for sale, even for the fifty dollars or whatever. Oh really? Um, okay. Well, yeah, because I mean those. I mean, Mario Galaxy two sold well enough that I don't think the resale value for, is going to jump up for quite some time. But uh, punch out and especially Kirby, I mean those couldn't have sold anywhere near as well as Mario Galaxy. I know. So I know. Once they're not on store shelves anymore, um, and then like eventually either GameStop stops selling them or they realize how rare they are. I mean. It's going to yeah. be expensive whether you get it on eBay or, or GameStop. Yeah, you're used, probably right. So. I, should, I should jump on that. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I know I know. Punch-Out is great. I've, I've watched videos. It looks great. It looks very funny. Yeah, it is uh, very funny. And it's it animates. It's so animated. And yeah. I think it's one of, like, because of the nature of the game, I mean, it being, like, 
just two fighters in a ring. I mean, there's not much else going on. Like the whole background is just like shrouded in shadows and everything. Um, oh, they're really? able, they're, they're, yeah, okay. they're able to like do a lot, um, like graphically, uh, you know, despite it being for the Wii, I think it looks really good. I mean, it's not an HD obviously, sure. um, but like the, the models look really great and yeah, are like super animated. So cool. Yeah. That's a fun one. Um, all right. Well, there you go. So th- those were our picks and your picks for uh, greatest themes from fighting video games. Yeah. Um, now, we alluded to this last time. Well, I guess not last time. Two times ago now when we did the music segment before the, the scary music one that we kind before of Before the Audible. At. Yeah, the Audible. Exactly. Um, I think for the next one, we're going to do favorite Smash Brothers remixes. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've already mentioned a few times in this episode now, um, Smash Brothers, at least starting with Melee and Onward, uh, it's pretty well known for doing like awesome uh, orchestral or otherwise remixes of classic uh, tunes from the games that these characters are plucked from. Yeah. Um, so I know we've got some favorites. I'm sure all of you have some favorites from you know GameCube, Wii, and now 3DS and Wii U. So I'll send them our way. That's Try what, that's to avoid do. Sticker Brush Symphony because everybody and their dog is going to pick that. Yeah, we'll probably just it open is with a that really one. good remix. Yeah. I know. We'll right, get yeah. it in there. Don't worry. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what we used to intro the segment. So yeah, there that, you go. Pick that one, other yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, I love that every time we do this, we have to have one where we're like, "Don't do that." We all know you're going to do that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that that's it. That's your only rule. Uh, but other than that, get in there, dig deep, and find your favorite track. Nice. Uh, and then either tweet us or I mean, people always end up tweeting me because I I tweet out asking people, which is yeah. fine. But I'm like. An addict. So even if I favorite the tweets, I've already favorited like twenty other tweets since I favorited it. It becomes like a hassle for me to find it. So um, tweet them you, at me as well. There you go, or just email them to connectivity and nintendo.com because those are pretty easy to find then in our our email box. But yeah. if you if you do tweet me, that's fine because I know I always ask people on Twitter for suggestions. So um, I don't hate you or anything. But if you're <laughs> listening to this, just just email it. That's easiest. So yeah, uh, there you go. We'll give it a few weeks so everyone has time to dig deep into the Wii U version of Super Smash Brothers and can you know find maybe a new favorite that they didn't even know existed. Oh. And uh, we'll go from there. So um, Zach, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Uh, Thank you, everyone, who submitted uh, suggestions for this segment, and we will talk to you guys later. Late. Welcome to a brand new segment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity. I am your host, Alexander Kalafi, and joining me for a discussion of your listener questions, as well as a few new games we've been playing this week, Addison Webb. Howdy, howdy, howdy. This is fantastic, because before this, what you guys aren't hearing is 20 minutes of us 
not getting this thing to work on Skype. So now what you are listening to is our last attempt to get a working podcast segment for this week. Hopefully this turns out okay. Hopefully it doesn't turn out like a real mess. We just sent out listener questions a few minutes ago. The ship's going under, but you're all with us. All right. First question. The first question is from at M-O-N-G-O-M-C-D-O-U-G-A-L. Mongam McDougal? Yes. I bought three Amiibos and have no idea why, but I like them. I'm not usually into figures. Any similar experiences? And I'm going to throw this one at you specifically, Addison, because you bought Amiibos in the last day or two. I did. Um, when I picked up my copy of Smash Brothers at Best Buy, I went ahead and picked up Kirby, Link, and Mario. And okay. I would say I'm probably decently into, like, having collectible figure type things. I think they look cool. They're cool just outside of the fact that they interact with the games is cool, but I think the fact that you can put them in the Smash Brothers and actually level them up, it kind of gives you that grindy feel that keeps you playing games like Diablo and stuff like that in the Smash Brothers, which is fun. It kind of adds a lot to the single-player mode for me and gives the computer character a little more depth to him, a little more character. You have more connection to who you're fighting when you're playing against a computer than just like throwing in a level 9 comp to fight against in Smash. So how does the Amiibo stuff actually work? I, I know like the Nintendo Direct, and as far as we know, it's like a CPU that fights with you. But is this whole CPU thing actually that engaging? Like, is it actually that addicting just to have an extra CPU fight alongside you? Yeah, I think so. Um... I've already noticed that I've got mine in the high 20s, and I think they're a lot stronger than the level 9 computers are. So I think for people who are more into Smash Brothers and don't have people to play with all the time, it's just fun to have more competitive opponents. Mm -hmm. And what it does is when you start up Smash, you actually have to go into the Amiibo section and set up your Amiibo the first time. It won't just automatically read it. I tried that, and then... You sync it in, they'll be like, oh, this is Link. Like, give him a nickname, and then you just, like, give him whatever nickname you want. I did Hero O-Time is mine. Right. And then you can, like, choose which costume they have. And then you can go into custom moves. I haven't really unlocked any custom moves for the Amiibos I have yet, because I haven't played that many matches. And I'm guessing Smash Tour is where you get a lot of that stuff, so I haven't had an opportunity to do that yet. But you can go in and customize move sets, and then... You can you take them into just like regular Smash, and I've been fighting against them. I've been like putting one on my team and putting two on the other team, stuff like that. Done some eight player Smash where it'll be me and my three amiibos versus like four level nines, stuff like that. So it's pretty fun. Um, the neat thing I found out about it is I played Scott Thompson last night, Scott from NWR in Smash Online. And he always plays his Yoshi, and he destroyed me. So now I want to get a Yoshi amiibo so I can, like, have a really strong Yoshi opponent to train with so I won't get stomped so bad next time I play him. I think that stuff like that just kind of adds a little more depth, a little more fun. Reason to play just regular Smash against the computer more than there ever has been, which is what ends up being most of my time since I don't really have anybody local to play with. So that... Compared to just, like, throwing in games on the 3DS version, 
it's been a little more interesting. And I've been sick the past couple of days. And honestly, after I got to the game, I came home from work and I was like so tired I could barely even play. So I just watched my amiibos fight each other for a few rounds, and that was actually decently entertaining. Uh, That's it's kind of cool just the implications of amiibo. Just like even at, at first, if it seems like a CPU. It's almost like some AI type shit where you can get one almost person fighting against another almost person just to see which one wins. Yeah, and I think like a lot of younger kids, especially like go home from school and be like, "Hey, I've got my Mario. You want to fight your fox versus my Mario and see who wins?" So stuff like that. I think there's a lot of like addictive qualities to that, and it creates more interest in the game and. Keeps you more interested in the single player, for sure. Right. And then, just talking about his question specifically a little bit. I think what he's trying to say, Mongo McDonald, is that he's not usually into figures, but he was a little bit surprised when he bought the Amiibos and actually really liked them, despite not being into it usually. I know that you did this collector segment thing with Justin Baruby a little while ago. Are you into the whole figure scene, and how did you approach this from your answer to the first question? I would say I'm probably not huge into figures. I just have a few at my desk at work that I just right. have there, and like, just gives me a little more personality at work. Um, mostly I'm collecting like old hardware and games and accessories, so I probably come at it more of like a gaming accessory type thing treating it more like a controller than an action figure type deal. And that's probably why it has more lasting desire for me. It's just the interactive part through the games. And I think that's what makes it more than just a little thing you display. Like you actually get the chance to do stuff with it. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think the answer to I have no idea why I bought three Amiibos, you bought three Amiibos because you just bought Smash Bros. and it's the new hotness. You bought three Amiibos because you're part of some online discussion since you clearly tweeted our Twitter account. Yeah. I think you bought the Amiibos because it it was the right thing to do. Because based on the hype machine and based on you buying Smash Bros. and based on you being a Nintendo fan... It's not that hard to spend a little bit of money when that's all the discussion's about. Right. And so I, I yeah. I don't see a lot of people buying like a ton of these, but I see like people who are really into Smash being like, hey, like it'd be cool to have like my main or like my two favorite characters, like amiibos, to just play around with. Like it's neat because it, it has like two lives. It has like the physical like, just look at my figure aspect, and it also has the interactive. And, like you said, it's the new hotness. Like, they've been so not straightforward about what Amiibos do that there's just kind of cloud of mystery over them right now. Right. That's creating hype. And then also hearing about stores getting, like, ransacked of all their Amiibos just generates a desire to be like, well, this thing's getting popular. I'd like to at least try to get a taste of what it is before I lose my chance. I think that has a lot to do with it. And it's clear Nintendo's going down a bit of a rabbit hole with Amiibo, with Captain Toad and Mario Kart and Mario Party and all this stuff getting support. Which leads us directly into our next question from a friend of the show and the website, Third Rate Minion. 
After Smash Bros, what do you think Nintendo will leverage for Amiibo? Also, what should Sakurai do now? These are two very big questions, so we're going to separate them. The first one we're going to talk about is the Smash Bros. one. After Smash Brothers, what do you think Nintendo will leverage for Amiibo? And I think there's a couple things you got to think about. The first is that we already know how they're going to leverage Amiibo in the short term. We know that there's coverage from everything like the Smash Bros., the CPU, the Super Involved stuff, to Hyrule Warriors, you put an Amiibo on and you get like a random item. And everything in between. So it's clear they want to shove this into every game they can, just so they can get as much value out of the individual figures as possible. And I think another reason why you can see this is because the Link Amiibo that you buy for Smash Brothers is going to work for every single Zelda game, um, as far as I know. Because all these games are using the Smash Brothers Amiibos. So I think what they're trying to do now, at least in the short term is try to make it so you can connect Amiibos to every single game that you can, even if it's something limited. In the long term, maybe there's going to be multiple versions of Link, maybe there's going to be multiple versions of Mario, but I think for now, they just want you to put that figure on the portal and get used to putting the figure onto the gamepad. Yeah, I agree with, like, short term, they're just going to find ways to just get people using them, like you said, stuff like Mario Kart. Unlocking the costumes, I think that's pretty cool. I went ahead last night and unlocked all the costumes and the amiibo I had, and had a lot of fun with the Kirby helmet. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, definitely looking forward to Captain Falcon for Mario Kart. Right, it's gonna be awesome. But yeah, just stuff like that. Unlocking kind of like is a microtransaction type thing for DLC. Um, in the long term, I I can see them coming up with some sort of new IP that's Smash Brothers-like. I don't know if it's like a Nintendo sports game or something along that line. Just something else that is just like, what would happen if you take all the Nintendo characters in this situation and made a game out of it? Right, like Nintendo Skyliners. Right, or yeah. like we talked about last time, Nintendo Minecraft, like a sandbox mm -hmm. just like Nintendo World or like... A Lego Nintendo game, if they ever got with Lego. Right, it feels yeah. like they're super close to hitting gold with Amiibo, but at least in my opinion, they haven't found their sweet spot just yet. It feels like they're experimenting a lot, and they're going to try to figure out what makes sense. There has to be, there has to be some major Nintendo crossover game coming down the line. There's no way Smash Brothers is going to be the biggest example of this we see. Because it feels like they're investing into this big time. The fact that they're doing a figure platform to begin with, and the fact that it's not even going to just be figures by the time this is all done, there's got to be some huge Nintendo crossover game, maybe even a bigger investment than Smash coming out in a couple of years. Yeah, one thing I've thought of is maybe doing some sort of update to Animal Crossing Ooh. to include the Nintendo characters in, like, a Wii U Animal Crossing. Right. Yeah, it's, and they were actually talking about that when Miyamoto was talking about, like, the future of Amiibo. They were specifically talking about how a Wii U Animal Crossing would react to the Amiibo platform. And since they mentioned things like not just figures, but also Amiibo cards coming out down the line, this could be the return to form for e-reader. This could be the return to form for the Animal Crossing GameCube version of e-reader, where you could scan furniture sets in, you could scan patterns in, all using the power of trading card packs, and using the power of Amiibo. This, this might be the return to form for that. Right, and I also think it's a good opportunity for them to 
push the virtual console, I can see them like tap your link to like the amiibo like app on the Wii U and you can unlock like Zelda two for NES, like something like that or with each of the characters is a way to get people in the eShop and checking out the virtual console. Yeah. All right, and then for his other question, what should Sakurai do now? And we should also note that he, before this, he was the Kid Icarus guy, the Kid Icarus Uprising guy. Well, he's the Kid Icarus guy in general, but the Kid Icarus Uprising guy in this case. And then he did the two Smash Brothers games. He's not going to do a Smash Brothers game right away unless he wants to hit the launch for the Wii U 2 and the 4DS. And he's not going to do Kid Icarus again. He said that himself. It might be another 20 years before we get another Kid Icarus. So what's there left for Sakurai to do other than, like, a new franchise? Well, at first I hope he does some Smash Brothers DLC. Right, that that's happening. There's no way he's not working on that. But that couldn't take up all of his free time. Right, well, when you mentioned Kid Icarus Uprising, the game that, the other Nintendo property that naturally comes to my mind with Uprising is Star Fox. I think it'd be cool to give him Star Fox and see what he could do with that. I mean, Kid Icarus Uprising is pretty much a Star Fox game. Right, and it's just, it's kind of goofy, too. You got these four, like, human-like They animals. talk like Star, Fo- Star Fox characters. Right, like, it, I just think it'd be a perfect fit for him. He could put his, like, personality into that game, bring it back to the way it was in the old days. Kirby Air Ride 2? Because he was the director on that. He was the game designer on Meteos. He could do another puzzle game. He was Melee. He did... He did some of the early Kirby games, too. He's one of the primary Kirby guys. I'm I'm guessing, like, either something new or, like, a Kirby Air Ride 2. Those are pretty much the only places they can go with this. Because they're not going to put him on a formal Kirby game again unless he really wants to. But I doubt he does. The troll in me wants to say, give him Metroid. <laughs> no Let's one's going to get Metroid. There. I would buy a Sakurai Metroid game. He's kind of like he's kind of like Retro Studios, where you just want to see him handle all of the franchises and see what comes out. Right. Yeah. That's good. And then, like, for Smash Bros. 5, or Smash Bros. 5 and 6, or whatever they end up doing down the line... That's got to be five or six years away. I mean, since Smash Bros. 3 came out in 2008, which was six years ago, over six years ago, because that was a March game, it might be 2020 by the time we get Smash Bros. 5. Yeah. All right. And then we got one more Amiibo question. How do I use Amiibo without opening? Do you have anything? Do you have any answer? Do you have any ideas? Could you press the firm plastic down on the gamepad and see if it works? I think um, Justin Barubi tried that to no avail. So, I don't know if he's done it yet. I'm checking right now. But he was going to do a video of the least destructive way to open them. Right. Because he probably wants to so... keep the packaging, too. He might... I bet there's right. a chance he's buying... Two um, copies of each amiibo. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I would say take like an exacto knife and just kind of like slowly cut like the bubble plastic away from the cardboard. 
you probably have to get ma most of the whole thing off because inside it there's like a little plastic like bubble pack that's more like molded to the figure so you actually have to get in there and pull the figure loose of that so you're gonna have to get pretty much the whole plastic off the cardboard but stay tuned justin might come up with something pretty creative so we'll see that's good so apparently as far as we know right now there might not be a way to actually keep it sealed and use it at the same time right i'd say if you're that concerned about having a sealed one I would, they're 13 bucks just get both yeah just, just get a second just get copy. two yeah yep yeah. And then our last tweet, which is going to take us into the second part of this. What do you guys think of changing up games and remakes? Like Mauville City was changed in Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. When is it too far? And you have not played Pokemon Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire yet. You told me this before the show. You're waiting for Christmas. Did you play the original Ruby and Sapphire? No, I've played the demo of the new ones, but I didn't. I have Ruby, but I just got it like a month or so ago and I didn't want to play it because I wanted to just save it all for the remake and just treat it like a new game. Right, so I guess for anyone listening who hasn't played, the thing he's specifically referring to is the third gym city. And Mauville City is the electric gym and it's kind of a traditional city. It has a game corner, it has a Pokemon Center, it has a bike place, it has a gym, and it's relatively small. In the remake which is unlike pretty much anything else I've seen so far, I'm five badges in, they completely revamped the city and made it a completely different city. Where it still has the electric gym, it still has a reference to the game corner, they don't have it in anymore because of gambling, and they still have the bike place, and everything is still in place, but now it's built like a shopping mall. Now it's built like a, a huge shopping mall with that X and Y interesting city perspective, and they basically changed the city entirely for the purposes of the remake in which you can't even tell it's Mauville City anymore. And my feeling on that is that some stuff like that is actually good for a remake. Because one of my problems with Soul Silver and Heart Gold, and I know those are probably a lot of people's favorite Pokemon games ever, is that they kind of kept it a little too close to the original Silver and Gold games. They made it pretty much just straight remakes but on DS. And to me when you make the art style a lot cleaner, but you still keep it 80% mostly the same game, it kind of ends up coming off as sterile to me personally. So I like Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire doing some stuff to change up the formula, doing some stuff like changing a city there, or doing something super crazy, like giving you a legendary Pokemon really, really early, and maybe that's as... Scott, if you're editing this, edit that out. Or doing something like, uh, spoiler alert, giving you a legendary Pokemon extremely early. That stuff is kind of neat. I, I like it when there's stuff like that. So, because the other 70% of the game is exactly the same as Ruby and Sapphire, but updated. But now there's some other stuff, so you can appreciate all the old stuff. You can appreciate all the remixes of the songs that were originally in Ruby and Sapphire, but now you have more. Now you have more stuff to enjoy, and now you have some surprises that you'll appreciate just as a fan of the Pokemon series. It's new Pokemon content. The worst this can be is new Pokemon content. So if you're a fan, there's still not that much to complain about. What about you, just uh, from your perspective as someone who 
has probably played some remakes before. Do you like games changing themselves up in remakes, or do you want them to be relatively held to the standard of the original? I think it depends. I mean, if there's something in the original game that's really, like, drags the game along, like, I really like what they did with uh, Wind Waker, Wii U HD. Uh, they got, they made the Triforce quest a lot simpler. When you played songs, you didn't have to hear them twice in a row. Uh, you could get the speed sail, which made you not have to worry about the wind direction. Stuff like that, that just makes the game more modernized. I like it took Wind Waker from my least favorite Zelda to being one of my favorite by mm-hmm. just making it a lot less convoluted. Um, Make, making it more streamlined. Right. But if it's something... Like, I remember from the telethon, someone called in about ghosts and goblins, like, getting rid of the slowdown. Stuff like that it actually, like, changes the way you play the game. Like, the basic mechanics so much that... I think stuff like that, if you're making like a virtual console release, you need to keep it true. But for remake, whatever you can do to like make it more accessible to new people, I think is good. I beat Majora's Mask and played through the whole game. It's my favorite video game of all time, but I'm excited that they're going to make it more accessible for new players so more people can experience what I think makes that game so great is the story and just all the side stuff you can do. So whatever makes it Mm-hmm. more available to more people I'm I'm okay with. You always have the original too. Exactly. You always have the original game to still exist. And what are you doing playing a remake if you want the exact same game? Right. If you're playing a remake, you should want what you love about the same game, but modernized and better than it originally was, now with all of the knowledge of what came after. That's the value of a remake. You don't want a remake that's just straight-up remake. For instance, Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green. In my opinion, those are some of the best Pokemon games to ever come out because of the stuff they added, because they expanded the red and blue stuff a lot, because they tightened everything up, they made it a different game, and they added the Sevi Island stuff, which might have been one of the best parts of that game because of how new it was. It was pretty much a new 25% on top of what existed originally. That's what I want out of a remake. You gotta have changes, or else you might as well be playing the original game, or a fan remake. I think we're gonna see just a lot more of this going on, especially with Nintendo. I mean, they've been doing these type of callbacks forever, like the new Super Mario Brothers series, Link Between Worlds. I would say Link Between Worlds is probably a situation where I didn't really like it, but it wasn't so much a remake, it was a sequel, and I just thought they made it way too easy right so you got to stay true to what it originally was but you can make a few changes to just make it more accessible but when you almost just completely mess with the mechanics and make it a new thing completely that's when it starts getting like well yeah it's it's this franchise it's this game but the soul is just different you have to maintain the spirit right right yeah You have to maintain the spirit. Which brings us right into our final part of the show, in which we are going to give some very brief impressions on Pokemon Omega Ruby and Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. Addison played Wii U Smash Bros., and I played Pokemon. And this will probably just take around five minutes. Uh, Consider it something like a teaser for the larger Pokemon and Smash segments that are going to be coming out a week or so from now.
So just talking about remakes and talking about the uh, the Pokemon Omega Ruby as a remake, I have somewhat positive and somewhat negative feelings about it. The good is that they made an extremely faithful looking and sounding Pokemon Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. The art style is like X and Y, it's like it's modernized, but it has the same like bold color palette of Ruby and Sapphire. And then the soundtrack is pretty much spot-on perfect remakes of every single classic song in Ruby and Sapphire. Which is, by the way, despite all the trumpets, my favorite soundtrack in the Pokemon series. And I, I should note, yes, these are my favorite games in general in the Pokemon series. As far as the gameplay goes, it's extremely faithful. They, You follow pretty much the same beats as the original Ruby and Sapphire. You start in Little Root Town, you move on to meeting your dad. It's the Everything works in the exact same structure, except now, like Soul Silver, there's a little more story thrown in. And now, they brought back a lot of the quote-unquote enhancements from X and Y, including the dreaded EXP share. And do you know what the EXP share is, Addison? Yes, I, I played um, X and Y. So you know that this device works by basically, it's a key item that you have to have. You, you cannot reject it. It's just something that ends up in your items. And what it does is, when it's turned on, experience points go to every single member of your party, regardless of when whether they battled or not. Making the game infinitely easier than any other Pokemon game before it. Because now you don't even have to grind anymore. All you're doing is straight up training, training, and training whatever you want and doing whatever you want. So a lot of the tension is destroyed when you take out the actual training experience and you take out the actual journey. And now people can say to me, Hey Alex, why don't you just turn off the EXP share? It is optional. Well, that's kind of screwed up too because... When you have something, when you have an easy mode in your items, and you have the ability to turn it on and off any time, grinding at that point just feels like a chore you're giving to yourself for no reason. So just, it's one of those things where it's almost not even optional. I wish there was a, a hard mode in the game where you would never get the EXP share, and the levels would automatically be higher than they are in the base game. Because as of right now, with the EXP share, and just even when I turn it off, I'm already 10 levels higher in all of my party than the, than, the, uh, than the gym that I'm about to approach. Right now, I have 5 badges, and I have 5 level 40 Pokemon. Just because that's the way I, p I play Pokemon games. I'm used to training them a certain way. And the EXP share, and then just the fact that the game's way easier than the original Ruby and Sapphire were, even without it. It's just a piss-easy game. It's basically a Link Between Worlds compared to Link to the Past. It's that exact same thing of, yes, it's remade, yes, some of the spirit's still there, but when you take out the difficulty and you take out the challenge and you take out th some of the obtuseness that made it fun in the original games, you kind of lose a little bit in the process. So the games are really good, but at the same time... I, I really wish they would at least add a hard mode to Pokemon where it's a lot more restricted. For people like me who want the purest nostalgia-ridden experience, I want to play Ruby and Sapphire with all of the new story content and all of the new locations and stuff, 
but with the exact same difficulty and challenge level. And I don't know if that's possible, but that's the thing that I feel like I'm missing as of five badges in. I liked it when I played X, um, but looking back on it, I realized I didn't spend a whole lot of post-game time with that. And I think that might have been part of the reason why. It's just like not feeling that need to go out and grind all these different Pokemon. It feels I feel like, like that kind of takes away from the experience. It's kind of like what you said. Just It's taking out an element that's almost too essential to the game's mechanics, which makes it feel kind of heartless compared to the original. Without the challenge and without a little bit of that grinding, it kind of doesn't feel like a journey anymore. It kind of just feels like you're playing a really easy RPG. And it's it's kind of like that whole uh, the whole experience the experience of a journey. When I have the experience point easy mode in my bag at any time, and I know I can turn it on, it's not really a journey anymore. It kind of takes me out of it and makes it go okay. They're clearly even if there's challenge now, all I am doing is all I am is like two button presses away from there being no challenge whatsoever. So there's no point even fighting against it because I'm breaking the uh, I'm breaking my reality. I'm breaking the in-game reality if I'm using it, and I'm breaking the in-game reality if I'm not. So Addison, right? Smash Bros. Wii U, how's that treating you a day later? It's pretty awesome. Um. I mean, you've got everything the 3DS version really had to offer except Smash Run, which isn't a huge loss. Um, mm-hmm. The online multiplayer has run pretty smoothly for me. I only had one match, and it was against a random person, so I'm just assuming somebody was really laggy in the match. But I played with Zach and Scott last night, and it felt like we were playing locally. It was running that smooth, which is awesome. Uh, I do have mine wired to my router just because my router is kind of crappy. So, earlier this year, I just decided to go ahead and put my router so I can just run my my Xbox One, my Wii U directly through it. So, I'm not sure how much that helps, but I would recommend it. I got mine off Amazon, so check there. It's I actually have one of the third-party ones, and it works fine. So, if you're looking to play online Smash, I'd check that out. Um, I haven't played Smash Tour yet, so that's one of the new big new things. I played, there's like the master hand, the crazy hand order things. There's just like the challenge mode from the previous Smash games. It's alright. It's kind of confusing how to progress through that. So I didn't really hold my interest that long. Most of my time was honestly spent playing against my Amiibos. I think the Amiibo ah, implementation is a lot better than I ever thought it would be. It sounds pretty lame, just how they described it, like E3 and events coming up, but it's a lot more fun actually implicated than you would think it would be. And I think I was talking to Neil over Twitter about this, and you kind of develop like a more an attachment with them than you think you would. Like you get to name them and like do the custom movesets. It's, it just takes AI and makes it feel more alive. So I think that... Definite bonus through the Wii U version there. I'm assuming they're going to add it to the 3DS version. I haven't tried it out on my Japanese 3DS. I don't know if they've updated it yet. I, I think next year. 3DS. They said. 
Okay. So that'll be neat for that. I can see a lot of people doing Amiibo with the 3DS version. But back to the Wii U version. Um, I'm using PDP. They're a third-party accessory company. They came out with this GameCube controller that plugs into a Wiimote. And I picked up one of those. And I've been using it. And I like that a lot. I don't have wave birds you can't really find and you pay a ton for them if they're in good condition nowadays so i did i skipped the adapter route because my tv's just way too far away from my couch i'm going that route and i like it a lot i'd recommend that controller to people who want more of the gamecube feel i've played on the game cat you know, gamepad off tv as well and that works fine um it feels like the 3DS version when you're using that button configuration. So if you're fine with the 3DS version, you should be fine with the gamepad or a pro controller. So let's talk about the 3DS version for a minute, because you did play it, yes? Yes. Okay, so the 3DS version, I'm not going to say it ruined Smash Bros. Wii U. I, frankly, I haven't played it yet, so I wouldn't know what I was talking about. But the way I imagine it is because we already had a month or two with all the characters... And with a lot of modes that are appearing in Smash Wii U, there's a part of me holding off from buying Smash Wii U because it feels like some of the impact is going to be lost because I've already played the inferior version. Do you feel a little bit of that or even any of that now that you're going into the Wii U game? A little bit. Mostly with just building up familiarity with the characters. Mm -hmm. Whenever there's like a new Smash game, I always want to just try everybody out. Nor I feel like I've done that enough. So that kind of loses its luster there. The way the order in which you unlock characters is different in the Wii U version. Actually, some of the unlockables from the 3DS version are available when you start it. Like, you get Bowser Jr. as a starting character in the Wii U version. Mm -hmm. So that just changes up a little bit. I think the biggest thing is the new courses. That's really good that they decided to go with that and come up with new maps for the Wii U version from the 3DS version because that gives you a little bit of something to try out when you get the new game. And it's not just like having an HD remake of a 3DS game. Right. There's some really neat levels. There's one from the Game & Wario where it's like a mini game where you're trying to play video games and your mom's like creepily peeking through like the windows and stuff. Oh, gamer. you, you lose. And it, like, if she sees you and you're, like, in her line of sight, it just, like, shoots you right off the stage. So that level's pretty cool. Um, the music is incredible. I've had a lot of fun just playing, going through and playing with the uh, music frequency settings and hearing all the different soundtracks for the different maps. Um, they actually change up classic mode a little bit. You're, you're just kind of, like, in the middle of this, like, square screen area and... There's trophies of different characters, and sometimes they'll be in groups. And you just walk up to which one you want to fight. And that's how the um, the classic mode works there. Which is different than having, like, the linear, like, oh, you've fought, like, giant Donkey Kong. Now you're going to fight, like, Kirby, mm -hmm. like the original ones. It's always the same every time. You can choose kind of which order you go through or whether you want to fight, like, a lot. Like, they have some eight-player battles in yeah. the classic mode. So that changes it up, too. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the eight-player battles. I think it's a little crazy. 
I mean, it'd be fun for multiplayer, but it just gets kind of frustrating when you're playing single player and there's just all this stuff going on, on the screen. I feel like all I do in the A-player Smash battles is just repeatedly, like, smash down to try to just, like, keep people off me. Because it's so easy to, like, lose yourself off the screen. I mean, I'm old and probably going blind, but... <laughs> right. There's just way too much happening on the screen with this. And... Definitely avoid those big maps if you're not playing with eight people. I played a match with Zach and Scott last night where we're using one of the Kid Icarus stages. And I just felt like half the time we're just traveling to go attack the other person. It just went on forever. So definitely avoid those stages unless you have a big group. Alright, so then, yes or no then. Would you recommend the game for $60 based on what you've played so far? Yes. Okay. I think... Mm -hmm. the big thing for me was whether the online works because like I said I don't have a lot of local people to play with but I know a ton of people that we use and we'll play online with like people I know from growing up and stuff so the fact that that works it probably is takes a game up from being like a 6 to like a 10 for me like I don't think I, I without that if that was broken I just I don't. I couldn't say it was worth the sixty dollars if the online was broken. But it's not, and because of that, we're golden. All right, that'll do it for our segment this week. Thank you so much for joining me, Addison. No problem. And thank you so much for listening. If you have any more questions, you can send them to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. That'll be all, guys. Bye bye. Later. Alright, and that will do it for episode 158 of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. You should be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. And follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com and look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.